0: Welcome to a special edition of the O'Reilly podcast. I'm your host, Ben Lorica, here with Claire Bernard, a field engineer at Tamer. Uh, welcome, Claire. Hi, Ben.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I think we should start a little bit about your with your background. Um, you are a scientist by tra- training, I guess?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I um I was a particle physicist. Um, I worked at CERN and was based there for a couple years and worked on the um, Atlas experiment at the Large Hadron Collider. Um, and then I got my PhD and graduated a little over a year ago in May. Um, and I've been working at Tamer since then as a field engineer.
0: So when you were a physicist, were you more on the computational side of physics?
1: Yes, I was kind of a um, data scientist type role. So. Um, I did help a little bit with collecting the data, um, but then mostly I spent my time analyzing the data and coming up with um, measuring kind of standard model physics processes and kind of searching for new types of particles that, that we might be able to discover there.
0: So by way of context, so what kind of tools uh, uh, do you use in the academic world for that kind of thing?
1: Particle physicists, um, typically don't don't buy the kinds of software that that is used in in the private world um, and we write a lot of it ourselves with with. there's good good and bad to that so um so particle physicists use a framework it's called uh, root um it's a statistical analysis package so which is like
0: a distributed framework like big data
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. So you can you can run it, um, you can create jobs that you send off to really large computing stru- uh, clusters. CERN has a huge, um, a huge system of distributed computing. So there's kind of tier ones and tier twos, and you send data all around the world to do your analysis. So it's is, really um, So
0: this is more along the lines of the HPC framework, right?
1: Sorry, the what framework?
0: HPC high performance computing kind of the, what they use in science, I guess, as opposed to kind of the uh, uh, big data technologies to MapReduce, Spark.
1: Uh, so we, we don't use MapReduce or Spark. Um, it's kind of all all specific to particle physics. Like the, the root framework itself, you know, a, a particle is an actual object in that framework. Um, and then the distributed computing itself uh, we don't use anything that's like MapReduce that kind of splits up the jobs for you. You kind of write your code in such a way that you can split up the jobs and send it off that way.
0: So you, uh, obviously you got your PhD, but I, I guess you decided not to go into the academic uh, profession.
1: Yeah, so I I really enjoyed um, doing that work in grad school and, and living at CERN, um, but I was kind of very interested in figuring out what else I could do um, Do with those skills. And programming and data analysis translates pretty well to the private world of big data. Um, and, and some of that also had to do with the current situation in particle physics where um, you know we have, while I was at CERN, we discovered the Higgs boson, which was really exciting to, to be a part of. Um, and that the collider is, is now ramping up at higher energy uh, but some of the some of the other proposed experiments um for the future are uh are more kind of precision measurements rather than looking for looking for new particles. And the the looking for new particles was the part that I was particularly interested in. I see. Right. Um, and so, so so I was I was kind of interested in just see seeing what else was out there and trying trying something new.
0: So you spent time with CERN, now you've uh worked with several Fortune 500 companies as a uh, tamer field engineer. So what are your thoughts on the state of enterprise data in most large organizations?
1: Sure. So I think um, the interesting thing is that, you know, all of these organizations are capturing huge amounts of data. um, And there is a tremendous amount of value in that data. But these enterprises are having a really difficult time getting at that value so you know they have kind of very messy data that's in all of these different systems and then they have on the other kind of side of the enterprise they've got analysts and data scientists who want to derive value from this data but have trouble figuring out what data there is figuring out then how to get that data and bring it together how to deal with some of the data quality issues that they're seeing um, and kind of getting that getting that data and getting it in a usable format has been a big hurdle for these companies, um, and I think a big a big challenge is going to be to embrace some of the messiness of that data and some of the variety of that data, so that we can really unlock all the potential. So, by the
0: way, uh, Claire, how does uh, messiness and uh, the state of data preparation compare between particle physics and uh... A typical enterprise
1: <laughs> uh well it's it's a pretty diff- different problem um in terms of like the type the type of data quality issues that you see so um, at CERN because everyone's doing you have this big experiment with a lot of scientists uh you there's a very um kind of sophisticated data pipeline for curating the data and getting it into a format so that people can do their analysis um, but it is there is some similarity in that, you know, the people doing the analysis are a little bit disconnected from the people curating the data and putting it into the right format. Um, And a lot of work has gone into build building that pipeline. But I think I think it's in a little bit of a more mature state. So
0: what tools and systems are companies using for uh, organizing and visualizing visualizing their data assets?
1: Sure. So I think that there's a, um, there's a lot of patterns that you see across these enterprises. So there's a lot of companies have, um, have kind of these big top-down MDM projects, and they put in place a lot of data governance tools. Um, and that, I think, you know, typically doesn't scale well, let's, very well. And can uh, be let's, hard. Uh,
0: let's take a step back. So define a few terms for our listeners, MDM and data governance.
1: Sure, so um, MDM is Master Data Management, Um, and it's typically tied tied with data governance, but um, let's say you have, um, you're trying to gather together data about your customers, and you have this data that's streaming into lots of different systems. Um, So data governance would be if you said, you know, as we're collecting this data, you know, we're requiring that you put in an address when you enter this customer. Um, that field must be filled up. And one of the things that that I've seen in in data frequently is what ends up happening is people don't have the address information. So they'll actually just go in and write, I don't know the address information, or they'll write um, a bunch of question marks. And they come up with many different ways of writing, I don't know this. And so then when you go to do the analytics, you have now much messier data because of that. And the the big MDM projects, these are kind of these large um, sets of rules that you use to integrate that data together. So you can say, okay, I'm going to take the, um, I'm going to say that if I have a record over here where the first name and the last name of that customer matches a record from a different system over here, then I'm going to consider that the same customer. And then maybe you realize that, okay, actually, first name, you can have people with very common first names and last names, so I'm going to go grab another record, and this time I'm going to require that the town and city associated with that customer um, also has to be the same. And then you realize that, well, okay, that's still not enough. So now I'm going to add in the address, and maybe if the address field is null, then I'll go grab another field, and you can see that these um these rules become they kind of grow and become so, really complicated uh-huh.
0: i suppose if you were starting if you were a new company right so if you were like a internet company and uh, you had a very simple uh, uh, data flow from uh, from the end user to your end systems then some of these problems probably are easy to solve but i from what I get, from what I'm uh, gathering from what you're saying is in many enterprises, part of the challenge is, is they just have too many systems.
1: Yeah, I think um, so. One challenge is too many systems. And then even within one system, you can have duplicate records about something like a customer or um but yes, I think figuring out kind of where all the data is when you have a lot of different systems um, is is a very challenging problem.
0: So where does visualization come in to this supposedly kind of uh, programmatic and very kind of uh, back end problem?
1: So the the ideal here is to you know to be the data scientist in the organization and to say okay you know there's a specific business question that I want to answer you know maybe that specific business question is you know how much is um, producing this one this one part um, costing me and can I buy the various parts that make up this machine or whatever it is that I'm building um, by buying those parts from other suppliers? Can I buy them from, you you can have a a business question like this. And then ideally you would be able to see where all of the data is in the enterprise that is related to that question and easily be able to kind of get together the data sets that can answer that question for you. Because once, once you have all of the data in the same place and once you've dealt with some of the data quality issues that exist in that data, then answering those questions becomes a lot easier.
0: So how effective have these tools been uh, in terms of managing these uh, many many different sources uh, and of uh, very uh, very vari- variable uh, quality data sources and-
1: So so I think that w- w- one big initiative that a, that a lot of companies um have started on or been doing for a little while is to try to centralize all of their data and put it in a central repository like HDFS um, the, data le- that, the,
0: the data lake
1: yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> these big data lakes yeah. um, and you know there's there's certainly some some really good thoughts behind that you know getting the data into one place makes it a little bit easier to figure out what's there um, but if it's not curated, it, um, it becomes even worse because now you've taken this, these data away from the places they were collected and you've lost a lot of the information about how, how was this data collected? What do these fields mean? Um, and so then ah, if you, so you, you, know, you go a, back...
0: It sounds like this is... A, actually, this is a topic that I've uh, started to pay attention more to, like the whole uh, metadata.
1: Yes, topic, exactly. Right?
0: So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so a lot of companies are realizing that this is an issue, and they're trying to then track all of the metadata about um, about the the data that they're putting into HDFS into their data lake.
0: So, how are they doing that?
1: So, um, I think a lot of companies are trying to start building up kind of metadata catalogs, um, and there there are a few metadata catalogs that are specifically made for HDFS, um, but I think that they're there are very few of these that are, that are in the market and that have been successful so far. Um, and I think another big, one big issue for this is that you know, you don't really want just the data that's in your data lake in HDFS. You really wanna be able to connect to all of the systems and you want it to be easy adoption. Um, so Tamer has, um is developing a metadata catalog um, so
0: first cool. of all, I guess, Claire, let's uh, let's uh, set the stage for why why this metadata and and good metadata uh, management uh, why is that important?
1: Absolutely. So if we go back to the example of the data scientist, and you know we have an analytics project that we that we want to work on, and then we um we go and we see that there is some data that's about. Um, our, we can go back to the customer's example. We see that there's data about customers in the data lake, and we can see that there's um, there's a field called given name, and then there's a field called last name, and then there's a field called name. Um, you know, we We don't really know where to start there. Which of all these name fields is actually the name of the customer? And in reality, what's happened is someone has created an ETL process that has taken this data from its original source system, has brought it into the data lake, and they've done some transformations on this name field, but we've now lost all of the information about what transformations were were done and how that data has changed um, and where that data was initially collected. So now as the data scientist, it's a little difficult to trust that data and to know How how to use it and how to get get um get value out of it. So it's really important to track where the data came from, what the fields mean, what transformations have been applied to that data over time, so that you can then use it for your analytics and you really uh, understand what it means. This
0: allows you to reproduce uh, your data pipelines, uh, understand lineage and provenance of your data
1: yes and and you really want to be able to you know leverage the other work that other people in the in the enterprise have been doing so you know you don't just have one data scientist you have hundreds of data scientists maybe and if one data scientist is you know working over here on a project to um to clean up this one data set and apply some useful transformations to it then you really want all of your other data scientists to be able to take advantage of that work.
0: So when you say, uh, so let me just clarify here. So I, I took a field, I cleaned it up, uh, transformed it, uh, and then I exposed it to the other data scientists in my company. Um, that's one thing, but are, so what you're saying is that not only am I exposing it to the other data scientists in my company, I'm also exposing it in a way that they can understand what I've done to the data.
1: Exactly. So if um, because not not all of your data scientists are doing the exact same project, they don't necessarily want the exact same transformations. They just want to be able to see, you know, what what has been done by everyone else and leverage that work if it applies to their particular project.
0: So what are what are the what. Uh... What are the tools for making that happen? Obviously, I guess Tamer has some tools, but just generally, what would the tool uh, look like that that explained to my colleagues what I've done to the data?
1: Um, so I think you know there are there are a lot of tools that do parts of this, um, but I think that you know this catalog, um, kind of as I'm describing it, doesn't really exist. I mean, one of the reasons uh, why we've gotten interested in this problem is because this is something that you know i see repeatedly when i go to customer sites is we say okay we'd like to work on helping you integrate your data and the customers can't or not can't but uh it takes a really long time to find the data to initially get started so i think that these these catalogs um, that go across systems and that um, capture all of this metadata including kind of comments and a lot of the collaborative features, I, I don't think that, that something like that exists. Um, and the, I don't think I, it exists.
0: There's an academic project actually right now that's uh, just starting, interestingly enough, uh, that attempts to uh, do this so that it's kind of, as you described, uh, something that you can share across different frameworks.
1: Uh, what, what academic project?
0: Oh, so this is kind of out, out of Amp Lab. Uh, it's, oh uh, sure. Yeah, Joe Joe Hellerstein, one of the co-founders of Trifacta. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. are aware of what he's doing. Uh, yeah, so, yes. So yeah, this definitely. is all in the open source that they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, so I, I don't think that this exists, you know, as as a product that that yes. people yeah, people yeah, yeah. have in the enterprise today. Um, and and I I don't think that there's um. There's kind of. A... So so
0: do you think that uh, so. Obviously, you folks at Tamer are thinking about it. Other folks are thinking about it. So it must be because uh, uh, companies and enterprises are kind of struggling with this or asking for this.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, so so one of one of the things that that happens a lot in meetings is we'll show kind of one of the initial screens of the Connect Tamer product that just has a list of the sources that you're you've connected the system to, and sometimes we get a very emotional reaction out of people where they say, oh, like, this is what I want. I just want a list of the sources that I have. And, you know, my initial reaction was, wait, really? Like, this This is just, this is not supposed to be the the screen that you get excited about. This is just a screen that says, this is the data we're working with. Um, but that that's a problem that that people are, I think, increasingly focused on, especially as more and more people um, have these initiatives where they're trying to bring data into the data lake, and they're realizing that as they do that, they're losing a lot of the context.
0: That's interesting, because that's, that list of uh, data fields and data sources, that can be a long list, and they're, yet they still find it uh, uh, very useful. I guess if you don't have that list, you you really don't have much to go on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so just, just having, having the initial list is kind of a starting point. And then from that list, you need, you know, a lot of profiling and ways of kind of consuming that and getting, figuring out what's there. So
0: um, what is Tamer's free catalog software and how does it solve uh, problems for discovering, organizing and visualizing data?
1: Sure, so so T- Tamer's Core Connect product has really been focused on you know we have these data sets and how do we integrate these and make them into the data set that a data scientist would want to use. The catalog pro- product is focused on it's a it's a very lightweight um, easy to use kind of web application, and it's really focused on the problem of discovering, organizing and visualizing the data in the enterprise um, so with with catalog, the organization can share share a catalog as a centralized repository of metadata, and then associate human knowledge with that with that data. So it's really focused on connecting to as many systems as possible, um, and and then ca- capturing a lot of these collaborative um, collaborative I know, insights.
0: I know that Thamer uses uh, a lot of machine learning, so it's uh machine learning part
1: of the catalog software so tamer's uh the catalog software is is more focused on profiling and right now d- doesn't have a whole lot of machine learning um that's really more the main connect product uh, but but catalog right now is really it's about connecting to a lot of systems giving you that that kind of list of sources and then helping you get value out of that list of sources um so, you know, figuring out kind of which attributes um, can be associated with a particular entity um, it's currently it's currently um we've had it kind of in alpha and it's currently being uh, launched as a beta public beta version um so so I'm talking a little bit about what it is today and a little bit about the vision, um, I think the vision going forward is that it will be more connected with the connect product, um, there will be kind of good integration between the two, and there will certainly be machine learning components in both. So
0: have you, have you uh, gone to uh, some of your uh, customers and talked to them about the catalog? Uh, some of them might have already been using it, right? So, and uh, if that's the case, what, what kind of results are they seeing?
1: yeah so we so we actually already have um 550 registrants and we have over 300 users um, from a wide variety of of organizations um and i think we're we're gonna hoping to have some of those customers with us at strata and we do have um one one approved quote from a from a customer already um steve morin from who's the cto of invent um said our clients need to ask and answer big questions of their data. The first step is knowing what data you have and what it represents. Tools like Tamer Catalog give us a simple, fast approach to finding and cataloging data across the full range of our clients' data sources, regardless of the underlying platforms. Um, so we've been we've been working really closely with some of these alpha customers um, to make sure that that what we're building is solving their problems. And I think we've had a lot of really good feedback about about being able to kind of increase data awareness and increase the level of organization of data in the enterprise.
0: So I imagine that uh, in some companies they have, uh, I guess, metadata repositories of one form or another. Uh, Maybe something that, Uh, maybe not have the same features as a catalog, uh, tamer catalog, as you described it, but uh, in uh, many of these companies, what do they have in existence right now to solve these problems?
1: So I think that a a lot of the tools that are being used to solve these problems are kind of these bigger top-down, rule-based data governance approaches. Um, And I think that, you know, those are kind of, Maintained by a small number of administrators and and start to break down at scale. Um, I think the core tamer differences is that it's you know can connect to any system. Um, it's free, so we're really interested in driving adoption across the enterprise. Um, and catalog is really only part of the solution. So you know we start with catalog and then once you see where all the data is, Across your enterprise, and you see how this data relates to the projects that you want to do, then you can use the Tamer Connect product to connect those data sources and um, produce those those data sets that are useful for your analytics.
0: So, data sources here could uh, r- run the gamut of different types of systems, right? So, uh, I guess uh, I guess uh, databases. What else? Uh,
1: yeah. So, I mean, you, so you can download um, Tamer catalog today and, um, you know, just download it on your laptop to try it out and connect to, um, you know, XML, CSV, uh, Excel files that are on, that are on your laptop. Um, and, and you can connect to various databases and the, the vision of the product is to connect to everything. Um, you know, we, we want to integrate with everything across the enterprise, enterprise and really embrace that variety.
0: By the way, uh you brought up Excel and in many large companies they have so many Excel files.
1: Yeah, we actually um we actually have have one customer uh Novartis and they have like thousands of Excel spreadsheets and this is what, what project that we've worked with them on is figuring out how to get all of those spreadsheets together um and kind of map all of that information together.
0: And I imagine complex uh, spreadsheets with many tabs, maybe even uh, uh, macros and and uh, links between spreadsheets.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we've come across lots of Excel power users.
0: So, how long have you been at Tamer?
1: I've been at Tamer a little over a year.
0: So, what do you think so far? Your transition from academia to uh, industry, and the, as an industrial data scientist.
1: Uh, it's it's been really fun and really interesting. Um, you know i I really like that I can go and uh, talk to a lot of different companies and figure out kind of what are what are the values that they're trying to get out of big data and see the various stages of maturity um, within these companies. and then and then it's um, you know tame tamer's a really a, f- a fun company to work at. We've got a lot of smart people and it's a lot of good people to work with.
0: So, what advice would you give a PhD in the sciences who wants to make a transition from uh, uh, finishing up their PhD or postdoc and moving into industry?
1: Uh, well, if they're interested in moving into the tech world like this, um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of my friends from CERN have have kind of gone into data science roles, and I think that that's that's really fun and rewarding. Um, but I also I also think it's really fun to work on building a software product. Um, and kind of having something that, that you can leave behind, um, at, at customer sites, i found that to be very rewarding.
0: So th- nowadays there's these programs that take PhDs and, and put them through like an eight to 12 week program, kind of a finishing school where the assumption is you already have the technical chops, maybe uh, give you a few skills in a few tools, but primarily the focus is how do you, uh sharpen your communication skills and your presentation skills so none of you your friends have gone through this program so
1: um actually actually no i do have friends that have gone um done the insight data science program that's one that i know of and that's actually one that i was going to do um and i got into the program and then and then was convinced to join tamer instead
0: interesting cool well this has been great uh thank you claire bernard
1: thanks very much